Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. Pray that your word will minister to us. As we come towards the end of chapter 8, we pray that may we be established in the truth of what we've learned so far in this chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, folks, and good evening. Uh, last week, we looked at what it truly means to be a joint heir with Christ. You know, um, previously, we stopped at uh, verse 17. And then we picked up again from that same verse, verse 17, which says that if we are joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we shall be glorified with him. So the next verses after verse 17 really explains to us what it really means for us to be a joint heir with Christ. And uh, joint heir with Christ simply means if, if we suffer with Christ, we will be glorified with him. And uh, when we are talking about suffering, we are talking about anything you are experiencing in this present time because of your faith. Not everything is termed as Christian suffering. Right? There are some things that are termed Christian suffering, and it has to do in relation to your faith. And Paul says that uh, what we are experiencing now in this present time, it cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And what's the glory? The glory is that we will be part of the resurrection. The Bible calls it our hope. And we realize also from Scripture that not all will experience this glory. But it will only be to those who have the first fruits of the Spirit. And Kim's realized that the first fruit of the Spirit there is the Holy Spirit. I think last week I did a little bit of exegesis on that word, um, first fruits. We then closed out on our study that salvation is not a happenstance. It was predetermined before the foundation of the earth. And we looked at five stages with the ending being glorified. So I will read the last scriptures, I think from verse 28, verses 28 to 30. It says that for whom he foreknew, he predestined. And he predestined that we will be conformed to the image of his son. So the greatest blessing, greatest priority the principal thing in Christianity is we will be conformed to the image of Christ. The greatest blessing in Christianity is not we want a car, a breakthrough, uh, healing, deliverance. All those things are aspects of our salvation. But the chiefest of all, why God will want us to become sons of God or daughters of God, is because he wants us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's of more priority to God than a car, a breakthrough, and what have you. And we are not saying all those things are not good. They are important, but they have uh, their significance. Amen. The third stage, whom he predestined, he also called. We have been called out of the masses that's holiness holiness means you've been called out separate the people he called them he also justified and what's justified being justified is the act of being made righteous i always say for you to understand justify or justification you have to understand what it means to be righteous and what is righteousness it is God writing every wrong and acquitting you of all your sins so that you can stand in front of God 
man and the devil without any sense of guilt and any sense of shame. That is righteousness. All right. So we've been justified. And the people who he justified, which is us, believers, he also did what? Glorified. So that's the end stage of Christianity. So personally, we are not really at the end stage of Christianity yet. We will come to the end stage of Christianity at the end of this age when we will be glorified. And I think last week I explained what it means when we are glorified. And if you want to understand more on glorification, uh, read First Corinthians chapter 15. I always think that's the best scripture. I think this year too, in one of our installments, I talked about the power of his resurrection and I dealt a bit with glorification. Amen. I, I, I realize that this word keeps on coming up. Glorification, the ending of Christianity. Let's have the end goal. Let that be our view. Amen. Uh, so now let's move on to tonight's study and wrap up the last eight verses of chapter eight. We've been on chapter eight now for three weeks. This is our third week, and today we want to wrap up. So, verses thirty-one to thirty-nine. I read. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but deliver them up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things, nor present, nor things present, I'm sorry, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I really like how Paul closed out chapter 8. If you read chapter 8, Paul talked about condemnation in verse 1. And then he talked about the spirit of bondage which leads one to fear. The spirit of bondage has only one purpose. When you have the spirit of bondage, it causes you to walk in fear. Fear ceases becoming an emotion and now becomes a spirit. It controls your every being every existence of your living. Uh, it talks about the suffering of a Christian in verses 17 to 18. Uh, suffering is part of Christianity. Amen. Uh, try, try and remember that. And anything else also not listed. So now if you go through the preceding seven chapters, Paul has talked about some things. Sin. 
he's talked about the law right he's talked about um experiencing death as a result of sin now why is it important to know these things because of how paul started verse 17 what then shall we say to these things so all that i have mentioned are these things and paul is saying what shall we say to these things what shall we say to condemnation uh, fear what shall we say to suffering you know in in the present circumstance and reality of your faith what what shall we say to death that separates us from god what shall we say to these things for if god is for us who can be against us it's important to know god's love has got us if there is anything I want to achieve in our study tonight, the purpose of our study is that by the time we finish, we will be very established in the love of God. So after Paul had talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in our regeneration and our new creation experience, after he talked about the Holy Spirit will help us to pray even in our infirmities or weakness. And what is the weakness? We do not know what to pray. After he had spoken about the spirit of bondage that causes one to fear, but when we have received the Holy Spirit, through adoption, we are able to cry about Father. After he spoke about all these things, Paul now tied everything together with the love of God. You have to understand why the Spirit will help us to live a regenerated life and experience the new creation? Why has the Holy Spirit come to alleviate us of fear so that we will not have the spirit of bondage to fear, but we will have the spirit of adoption and we can cry out, Abba, Father? Why is it that even whilst we are suffering now, we have hope that one day we will experience a certain glory will be revealed in us? And the magnitude of it cannot be compared to the suffering, the inconvenience of being a Christian. Why? God's love. So ladies and gentlemen, the extent of God's love is explained that he's generous to us. And he will freely give us all things because he did not spare his own son. If God paid such a heavy price for our salvation by allowing his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Do you think God has a problem giving you all things? So two things I really want us to understand before we wrap up. One, God is for you because of his love. When you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you identify yourself with God as his child. He is for you. He's not against you. He is for you because of his love. The second truth I wanted to be established in your heart tonight is God gives because of his love. God is generous. It will surprise you how many people think that God is wicked. God with, withholds good pleasure from us. There are some people who think that when, when, you, when you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it's the end of all fun. 
it is the end of all illicit fun right but it's not the end of fun in general god gives god doesn't withhold that's why i like how paul stressed it in verse 32 that if god did not spare his own son but delivered him for us that we could be heirs of salvation we could experience eternal life if god didn't withhold the most precious what are all things quote unquote what are you looking for is it healing is it provision is it peace is it deliverance what are you looking for he will give it to you because it is in his gratuitous nature to do that and why does he do that it's because of love so today as you are listening to this teaching let these two truths be established in your heart if you don't get anything today next week if i ask you anything if you don't remember anything remember these two truths and you can't forget these two truths if you are listening to tonight's bible study don't forget these two truths god is for you because of his love god doesn't hate you he's for you he has an everlasting love number two god gives because of his love so come to him knowing he will give he's gratuitous he's generous and how do we know he gives we know he gives because he gave his only son so that all of us could be appointed heirs of salvation <laughs> that's the gratuitous nature of god and if god has given the most expensive most precious which is his son jesus the greatest gifts what is healing what is i need a job what is i need deliverance what is i need peace what is i need a job promotion what is i want to buy a house lord will he not do it come on now raise your level of faith in the love of god two important truths god is for you because of his love god gives because of his love let me just ask the question now what are the two things I want everybody to understand here tonight? Someone should help me right now. I don't want you to forget this. Number one. Oh, I'm waiting. Number one. Let it flow quickly. Because of his love. God is for me because of his love. Number two. God gives. God gives because of his love. Amen. And when you understand that, no charge against you shall stand. Do you know why? Because you are God's elect. And you've been elected according to the foreknowledge of God. 1 Peter chapter 1. You've been elected according to the foreknowledge of God. You are God's elect. And elect means you are chosen. You are God's chosen. That is why no charge shall stand against you. And why? Because we are also justified. So when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have been justified. And the fact that we have been justified means we are God's elect. And another meaning of elect means chosen. 
we have been chosen. That's why no charge will stand against us. So today, build and fortify yourself in the love of God. It makes a huge difference. No charge against you shall stand. Quit letting people, voices in your head, your thoughts, your feelings, sometimes even certain dreams, your enemies. We have real enemies. And Christ tells us how to deal with them. Love them, bless them. We have enemies. And quit letting the devil lay an accusation or a charge on you. Because the Bible says that no charge against you shall stand. Paul asked the question, who can lay a charge? And I'm glad to know that no charge will stand against us. On Saturday, my wife and I were driving somewhere and we were just talking about Isaiah 54. And we are just blessed that if Christians can really fortify themselves in Isaiah 54, many of the so-called deliverance, generational, ancestral curses, it will just break. And let me just read it since we are doing Bible study. Isaiah 54 verse 17. Whoever has opened it can read it for me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It didn't even say God will condemn it. You will condemn it. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me. You see, you can't walk boldly in the righteousness of God when you quit, when, when, when you keep on allowing people to lay an accusation or a charge on you, it will affect how you even behave. No weapon, no weapon. What weapon should it be? If it's formed against you, it shall not prosper. So I was telling my wife that based on this scripture, I don't pray certain prayers. It's a waste of my time because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's it. And every tongue which rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn. He has given me authority. And it is my heritage. It's my heritage. It's part of my makeup, part of my identity. Why? Because my righteousness is from God. And you are, if you are able to understand this, you are on your way to experiencing what is called Christian liberation and Christian freedom. There is nothing so freeing than to walk in life free of condemnation, free of accusation, free of charge. Based on this scripture, I don't allow people who accuse people to be my friends. And even if you accuse, you can never be my friend. Because that's the work of the devil. Do you know that according to this scripture, a Christian deserves to live free of condemnation? It goes on to even explain in verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Who is he who condemns? And look at the price payment that you will be condemnation free. Verse 34. It is Christ who died. Furthermore, also risen 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Have you seen the price payment? So for you to subject yourself to condemnation, you are really putting the blood of Christ to futility. You are frustrating the death of Christ. Because when Christ died, he didn't just take away the sins of the world. He also took away condemnation so that you don't have to walk in condemnation. And if you don't have to walk in condemnation, don't allow anybody to lay an accusation, a charge, or condemn you. It's wrong. Don't allow it. Don't put 